Hey, welcome to Creative Block, where your host, Gene. And B, we interview people in creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we do a little jam. We ask people on Twitter if they have specific... Nope, couldn't do it. We ask people on Twitter if they had specific topics they want us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Tyson... Hesse. Hesse? Oh my gosh, I was like, he's Hesse. I'm so sorry, I didn't ask the pronunciation. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. Everybody, I've got him. I've got in he's Hesse. Tell the world how you pronounce your name. It's okay. just Hess. Okay. Hess, okay. Hess. Okay. Well, welcome you to the tried show. the rest, now try the Hess. Right. I like that. <laughs> That's good. Uh, welcome to Create a Block. It's uh, great to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, Tyson, tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, I are cartoon. Yeah. Is nailed it. <laughs> 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 next question. Yeah, uh, next question. Let's see. Uh, I uh, hmm. such a, a broad question. It is. Um, I like knowing how people answer it. Everyone has a different answer. Yeah, I I, I have a kind of. Well, I'll start with who I am. Maybe uh, I am. <laughs> ooh, that's existential, actually. Uh, uh man. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> You are you are an artist. You've worked on uh, yeah. web comics. You've worked on animation. You're kind of the um, the king of the Sonic IP. I would say that's that's my words, not yours. But I will I will say it. Uh, let's say. Do you agree with that? How do you... <laughs> it's no. Okay. <laughs> it's it's uh, the, the Sonic stuff. Let me hold on. Let me, let me back up. Um, yes. Okay. I am a twenty. No, yes, 37. <laughs> I am a 37-year-old man. Uh, mm -hmm. I live in Los Angeles <laughs> with my wife and dog. Um, that is who I am. Uh, what I do, uh, I guess that that's where I get tricky sometimes. Like, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, people ask, what do you do all the time? But, like, right. I'm, I'm, I'm barely a cartoonist anymore um, just because the past like five years or so it's been uh just all directing you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and when when i do directing when i do directing huh, uh that's, that's how you say that right <laughs> um yeah. like I, I do a lot of drawing but it's just none of it ever gets shown right it's like um mm -hmm. right i, I yeah. have a tendency to be very hands-on um like to a degree that i think most studios uh aren't really prepared for sometimes like we just did um, a sonic uh, series of animations with uh, powerhouse animation who is a, a wonderful animation studio based out of texas um but i think they you know like most of their projects were expecting to be handed a prompt and then they turn in uh storyboards and you know checkpoints and like this and that and maybe they'll get notes or whatever but they just kind of move forward and do their thing um but you know i'll uh do a lot of stuff like to the point like we all ask to take scenes or i'll give them like full keyframes on a full scene um you know or i'll i even uh when we went over our time limit i animated a full scene by myself to, wow. to make sure that we uh didn't have overages on on money and stuff and like that's mm -hmm. a, a thing that i do often and i think uh that that's how i continue to feel like a cartoonist is by mm -hmm. finding little ways to squeak in actual drawing work when I can. 
mm-hmm. um, but it's like the amount of actual drawings that I get to like post online or like full illustrations that I get to do are very, very minimal now. And that's, it's kind of weird, right? Like, do you miss it? Mm-hmm. Do you like doing that stuff or do you kind of like this role? No, I, I absolutely miss it. Um, which is okay. why I keep trying to do it every time. Like I, mm-hmm. I could easily just sit back and say, no, me director, you draw, you know, right, that kind right. of stuff. But it's like, I, I will actively search for ways that I can, really you know get my hands dirty and actually do some stuff um, yeah so. i think that's really interesting yeah because i feel like often will like i i remember a question that uh i was asked by someone that was like oh do you want to move up because you want to stop drawing mm-hmm. and what you're saying like i relate to a lot because i love drawing mm-hmm. and it's true when you move up you draw a lot less yeah. unless you, like you said you get very hands-on mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah, the opposite. I, I don't want to. Draw. <laughs> I don't want to ever want to draw again. But I but I get it. I mean, I think. But you're good at it, and and you have like watching your career over the years has been crazy because I've been following you since boxer hockey, mm-hmm. and um, we're we're gonna hop around a little bit. I think. Sure, go for it. But uh, yeah, like that webcomic went from like I'm gonna phrase this carefully, but like it went from like being just a webcomic on the internet to being a fucking amazing looking, like cinematic looking thing. Mm -hmm. And you learned so much clearly just in the span of like a few years. Mm -hmm. And, and then suddenly your career like went off like a rocket. It seemed like from, from my perspective, I'm sure if to you, you know, it's small milestones and you're just kind of Mm -hmm. seeing things happen in slow motion, but like it was amazing. And then, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, working on all these amazing projects. And I know it sounds like it gives you pause, but like, you have been such a huge part in in keeping the Sonic IP like uh, relevant to the fans and giving back to the fans and like that. So many people I think appreciate that and and it's just it's really cool. I think that's that's um, I, I know it's hard for you to describe your uh, what you do, but I to me that from my perspective as a as a fan of yours, that's kind of the the arc is is a webcomic artist to you know now handling this like huge IP and it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Can I, can I ask really fast mm. kind of what your, um, could you give us like a little bit like the keynotes of like your, your career in terms of like, uh, when did you start the web comic and what was your inspiration for starting it? And uh, were you hoping to have a career uh, only in comics or were you always kind of interested to dip into animation? Uh, yeah. Um... Let's see. It's multi-tiered question. Yeah. <laughs> yes. how, to, how to attack this? Um, so uh, I'll I'll start with the second part first. Um, I I really I think when I was younger, you know, I wanted to be um, a cartoonist, like by definition, you know, like making cartoons, mm-hmm. right? I, I think because most kids. That get into this stuff that's what they they want to do they see cartoon and then they want to make cartoon and that's kind of it right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so I, I went to school for animation uh, i got a degree in animation and then like uh when i was at school for animation that's when i started boxer hockey um and i kind of i did that because this is just the way i am where i was like uh I got to school and I'm like, I'm not working enough. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. I need to, <laughs> I need to give myself my own extracurricular assignments. Sure, um, that's great. Though. So uh, yeah, I basically like freshman year, I started boxer hockey um, just to give myself 
an outlet to, to do my own thing, tell my own stories, that kind of thing. Um, and then during the course of getting my degree, Box Rocky was doing like, you know, not like great, but it was doing fine. It was doing fine yeah. enough for when I was done with school to think, maybe I'm, I'm, I'll just keep trying to do this, right? This was like the very beginning of the kind of webcomic bubble forming. Um, which I don't know, I'm so out of the game and out of like the, the scene and the community that I, I don't know how it's going for everyone out there anymore. But like at the time, it was just kind of starting to be a thing where you could consider making a living and livelihood off of your thing. Like mm-hmm. it was like um, mm-hmm. Penny Arcade and PvP were like, you know, the big hitters at the time. And, and Penny Arcade was like, uh, I think like it was my sophomore or junior year is when they started having their own tv shows and Mm -hmm. they were really kind of like making it big and so everyone else was and you know like you know kate beaton there's just like a lot of octopus pie like big big kind of names coming out of that time that were actually making a living and making a name for themselves so i was trying to basically follow in their footsteps um and uh coming out of school with its degree in animation it was like it just became very obvious that like one 2d animation practically isn't a thing anymore in our country it's like canada still has a couple studios that do 2d animation but like other than working at some boutique kind of small places you just weren't going to get a job actually doing 2d animation um and you're sorry you're talking like animation animation right not storyboards or character exactly like actually Mm -hmm. animating you know right Um, because that was what my degree was in um was actual you know animation um, right, and as an aside, which is I think why our our storyboard artist uh, problem has kind of cropped up in our industry, where everyone is kind of overdoing their boards because mm-hmm. I feel like everyone is in this similar situation where they wanted to be cartoonists, Maybe. but there's no actual jobs for us, so everyone just yeah. says, "Well, I'll just animate my storyboard," and that's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's mm-hmm. an aside topic that maybe we can come back to. Um, yeah, sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, so you know, I, I finished school and it was it just became obvious that like one, I was not going to get a two D animation job anywhere. I like I like three D animation, but I didn't want to make a career out of it. Um, and uh, the most like imp- not important like my the thing I wanted to do the most was tell my own stories, and that's the kind of thing that you're just not going to be able to do working in animation, right? Like unless you are supremely lucky and get a show um you know signed and then even then if you get a show like the possibility that it'll turn into what you actually want it to be is is also slim to nil um especially if you want to do like teen based or or focused kind of action stuff it's just like it's not like an environment where that stuff uh really flies or or you have a great chance of making it happen so instead of pursuing that um excuse me, I'm sipping my coffee. Um, <laughs> I, I just decided I'll keep trying to do box rocking and see if I can make a thing out of it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I did that for a couple of years. And, um, it, you know, it it went okay. Like I made a living. I was alive, but it was <laughs> like, you know, uh, I can talk. But about. at what cost? <laughs> well, and it's like the amount of work I'm fine with. I, I'm like a habitual and somewhat infamous over worker you know um and uh like the amount of work that it takes to do a, a web comic is insane but like i'm okay with that like i just i like making things um but the problem was is just that i couldn't i couldn't find the way to make it work in the way that 
other people had i think like as you said gene like i had put a really big focus on like making it look really really good right like i i wanted to uh like this is another kind of habit of mine is i always want to keep learning and so as i was making this comic it became really hard for me to ever keep it in one place visually right it was like um i can't do this thing where i do you know the same six panels every day and it's in black and white and um it's just like um the kind of key to success on a on a comic that comes out on a regular basis like that is to try and simplify it as much as possible um to get it mm-hmm, out sure. and, and i was mm-hmm. just doing the exact opposite where i was like well i want to learn how to paint you know i want to learn how to render really well i want to learn uh cinematic framing and layout and, and all this stuff um, and i want to work on my draftsmanship so i can like actually draw well and, and all that stuff and, and all that these goals that i had for like personal growth just kept getting in the way of actually finishing a comic on time um and it becomes hard for both, uh, I think, for me and for the audience to to really follow a story when it keeps stopping so often. You know, it's like there were a lot of really great hardcore um, fans and readers that I'm really grateful for. But I just I, I was never able to create the audience that I needed to survive on, you know? Mm. Um, and so uh, I eventually just started looking for more uh, proper paid comics work. I think uh, we can do a new page, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try to do the Sonic Adventure pose from the front. That was one of the prompts. And this is now, <laughs> this is now my challenge. Sure. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I, I started taking a little like, cover work jobs or interior work jobs or colorist jobs um and you know i'll I'll talk numbers here a little bit i'm not ashamed of that but like when i was doing boxer Mm -hmm. hockey like my annual income was was like generally under 30k you know um which is not Mm. good (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. like it's i I could live off it you know because i had a cheap apartment and i just don't spend a lot of money um, I was going to ask you, where did you live at that point? Like kind of what state or like, were you in the big city or were you in like a smaller city? Um, so I, after college, I moved back to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where I grew up. And I stayed there for a couple mm-hmm. years. Um, and then uh, my girlfriend at the time got a job in Oregon after a couple years. So we both moved up to Eugene, Oregon. And then we were there for about three years before I came down to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, L.A. was uh, by the time I got to L.A., Box Rocky was all but unfunctioning you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but you know i was living in places where i could afford to have that low amount of of, of income but at the same time it was like mm-hmm. i was living but i was not able to ever go see a doctor or a dentist um, that's rough yeah. i you know i had no savings account it, it was very uh kind of hand-to-mouth kind of stuff where it's like i would i would get to the end of the month and it would be like oh god i have 500 bucks in my checking account you know how am i gonna mm. pay rent and like you just kind of have to make it happen somehow it's like every month yeah. was a miracle kind of thing mm. um right. and it's like as much as i love doing um like box rocking and web comic and selling my own stuff it's like it's it's kind of a young man's game right it's like i mm-hmm. think you can you can only do that kind of living for so long like you get to a point where it's like i have to see the doctor you know <laughs> like ah! I, I have to see a dentist i have to think about like retiring one day 
like um and, mm. and all this stuff was just not even like I, I there was like days where i was like man my allergies are bad and i can't afford a box of tissues right <laughs> it's like it's yeah. just like that's the that's that kind of life and i think maybe if you um and even then i was only able to afford it because i had a partner you know splitting the bills with me but i at no point would ever let my pride um let her you know take care of anything more than her half you know mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. um and my parents couldn't pay for anything like i got you know never got any money from my parents or anything like that uh so it was just like there was no safety net at any point and it was just like it just came time to like be like you know this can't go on forever um yeah so you know i started doing some colorist work for comics uh to start and it's like as soon as i started doing that it's like even though comic artists get paid beans compared to what they should be getting paid it was still like holy moly a thousand bucks (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) like, a thousand dollar bill i know but yeah and by the way like how are you how are you uh, making income from your webcomic like because at the time were you doing patreon what was no uh, how were you monetizing around, it yeah. and that's the thing yeah if, if patreon had been around it could be a totally different story right now but it's like mm. those kind of income methods just weren't around at all so you had to live off of ad sales which were peanuts you know it's like mm-hmm. truly oh nothing. i see um mm-hmm. and uh and merchandise and that was kind of it so you had to have books mm-hmm. to sell t-shirts to sell and all that stuff costs money to make. So it's not even just yeah. like you can't just get money for nothing. You have to somehow when you're making almost nothing, build up enough money to make a book or a T-shirt and then uh, get it printed and then ship it out. And, you know, it's just it's so different now that, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I don't know, if, if I was getting into it now, it would be a totally different story. But at the same time, it's much harder to make a name for yourself now, I feel like. Um, I, I, I feel like I got in with the best crowd when I was doing it. It was, it was, again, it was like this kind of lifestyle, this like art form of web comics was so new that, um, not a lot of people had perfected the, the methodology of it that, um, mm-hmm. I feel like it was just easier to stand out with good art. And, and now it's like, there are people that are such good illustrators, like it's incredible. And, uh, they're still not able to somehow carve a name for themselves because it's just not enough now. It's like, I, I don't know what the X factor is anymore to, to making it out here. Uh, cause again, I, I'm just not in that scene anymore, but I feel like it was, mm-hmm. it was easier for, for me back then just because so few people were doing web comics with really elaborate illustrations. You know, it was much more of a, mm-hmm. Um, a penny arcade kind or a PVP kind of uh, setup where it was more simple art generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where was I? Um, yeah, you were starting to to um, do commission work like color yeah. and so, for comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and again, it was like, you know, comics don't pay a lot of money, but it was still, it was like a regular income and it was like, finally, this feels somewhat secure. Um, so I, I kept doing that for a little while, um, uh, mostly colors, but sometimes interiors. I got involved with like Boom Comics, doing like their Gumball stuff. Um, I was doing their Bravest Warriors covers and this and that. Um, and then that eventually led to doing um, the Sonic stuff, um, which um, it truly just happened because I was at San Diego Comic Con um, 
like doing boxer, I kind of had a table for boxer hockey. And then one of the uh, artists for the Archie Sonic comics came up, this guy named John Gray, um, and just said, hey, you should come over and meet our editor. And I said, sure, why not? Like, I, I, I don't have like a lot of confidence in myself. I almost, I, I'd never actually pitch myself. I've never like applied for a job or, or like put myself oh, out wow, there yeah. because I think I'm, <laughs> I'm too scared of the rejection that I, oh, I don't actually, like, I, I never, like, I would never go up to someone and say, hey, let me work on your book. Or like, hey, could I work on your book? Or like, here's my portfolio. It's like, I feel like if I, I stop myself from doing that because I'm afraid that they'll say no, you know? Um, so like how Tyson everything. Tyson Hess has a hard time with that. I don't know how the rest of us are going to, well, I mean, I don't know. We're going to be able to. <laughs> it's, uh, and maybe it's ego or it's just like fear, but either way, it's just, i it's really hard for me to like actually put myself out there like that. I think it's great to hear. I think, you know, I think everyone just goes to show that everyone goes through the same cycles of like, you know, not feeling good enough. And, Mm -hmm. and your, your career is proof that that is very much not true. And the fact to me, I feel like if people are always reaching out to you for jobs, that's Mm -hmm. amazing. Like the fact that you've never had to pitch yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very lucky. Um, And I, and I, I mean, I really, I owe everything to everyone that else or, everyone that's ever given me a chance is where all the credit goes to because I, again, again, I, I never would have been in Sonic stuff at all if it wasn't for John saying like, Hey, you should just come ask if you can do a cover. Like I just, Mm -hmm. that never would have crossed my mind to like do that, you know? Um, but that worked out. Uh, so I started doing some, uh, covers for them and then eventually had to. And were you like, um, were you a fan of Sonic or like, uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> like Tyson, I, fan of Sonic. Yeah, I, I think I had, you know, um, even while doing boxer hockey, I had kind of had a, a name for myself somewhat infamously as a Sonic fan. And I say n- nice. not famously, but infamously, because um, is this when we talk about the, the, the Sonic the comics meme comics? Uh, the I mean, it comics. can go back further than that, because I think one of the reasons why those took off was because I already had a fan base of Sonic fans from way back in the day. Like when I was 15, 16 years old, I was doing a Sonic Sprite comic um, mm. called uh, Sonic Arg. Uh, God, I remember that. Remember Sprite comics? <laughs> yeah. What a, um, what a time. And I guess, again, like looking at patterns, um, one of the reasons why my Sprite comic got to be popular is because not being content with just using the sprites from the games, I made my own Sonic sprites. Right. And uh, like I made them to be, you know, more expressive and just a little bit bigger and just to do stuff that you couldn't do from copying and pasting sprites from uh, from the games. Uh, These were called Ritzified um, which is a story I'm not going to go into, but I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like these sprites became really popular because like other people wanted to start using them. So I put them out there for people to use. And that's how like people started kind of knowing my name for the first time in Sonic land. Yeah. Um, and so when I did those uh, funny face Sonic things for, for boxer hockey, I had already had kind of a built in Sonic fan base that I think um, were, were there to kind of help spread it around. Which was just, I mean, it was not intentional at all. Like, those, those comics were truly, I did that first one just thinking, like, wouldn't it be funny if Sonic was fed up with Robotnik? And it was like, like you know, Robotnik is up to his stuff. He's putting robots in animals and Sonic just doesn't mm-hmm. care. And that, that was kind of it. It was really like, I drew it on like a single piece of eight and a half by 11 paper in class one day and then like i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna tweet this or whatever and then that's gonna be the end of it um but for whatever reason it really took off 
I, I think it it's weird looking back now, like to think like why they were were popular. But at the time, like people really weren't doing this kind of thing with Sonic. Totally, you know, yeah. it's like it's it spawned so many imitators over the years that it feels trite now looking back. But at the time, it just it wasn't a thing that you saw. Yeah. Like Sonic it wasn't, wasn't a meme yet, right? It, like it really it like it wasn't necessarily making. F- fun of sonic like that wasn't the intent it was just kind of parodying it in a way that i think it was obvious that i knew about sonic and it wasn't just like i think like kind of how it's become now is like people that don't actually like sonic or don't actually care about sonic make this kind of thing and it's just really exhausting where it's like they it's did... like the yeah it's like the whole like shrek thing like, exactly it's part of that whole yeah it's like yeah people that make shrek jokes don't actually like Garfield. shrek right like yeah. it's, it's just this like there's certain properties that people latch on to um and it's like you can smell the same old jokes the same old gotta go fast jokes the same old yeah. you know like, it's like like what if mario ate a shroom and got high joke <laughs> yeah. you know it's, it's just like the same old trite shit like what if knuckles was a big jock yeah it's like i don't know and so I, I think the reason why those took off was because, one, people weren't really doing them at the time. So it was really novel to kind of see something like that with uh, with Sonic characters. But I think also you could tell, like reading through all of them, that I wasn't just like searching Wikipedia for things to make fun of Sonic for. Right. It was like I actually knew the games. I actually knew the characters. And I was just like uh, just kind of pushing them to 11 just to make some funny faces and stuff like that. I think that comes through. People can sense that something's from the heart, you know, yeah. and like, and that you are part of the fandom and that it is like lampooning something that you love. I think that always shows that always comes through. Yeah. Like I've, I've seen just again, a hundred kind of imitators of, of like, as soon as those went big, a bunch of people started drawing. No, I'm going to draw a funny face Sonic thing. Yeah. And it was just, none of the jokes were like from the heart like it was truly yeah. just like here's a really jacked knuckles and it's like yeah okay funny bit dude <laughs> like, i don't know yeah. <laughs> it's, easy. it's just it's easy it's exactly um so uh anyway but those really took off you know in, in a kind of very big meme kind of way um and true to like to my fashion i didn't want to lean into success <laughs> You know, so it's instead of doing them forever or pivoting to more meme me kind of faces like and also at the time memes like weren't as big of a thing like that. I think that's the other thing people don't really um, realize looking back is I think reaction face culture wasn't a thing outside Mm -hmm. of like 4chan, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, Twitter was still really new. People weren't really doing reaction faces on Twitter. um, That kind of thing. Like people aren't really doing on Facebook, like outside of 4chan, you just didn't copy paste reaction yeah. faces a little bit on deviantart but not that much mm-hmm. yeah um so like it just wasn't as big of a, a thing you know um so, so i think another reason why they kind of took off a little bit was um it, it spread that culture outward a little bit um but either way it was like these are really popular but this isn't mine you know it's like i'm getting popular for doing sonic stuff and I don't right. want that. Like I want to, yeah, yeah. I want to make my stories. I want to make my web comics. So I was like, I did five um, of them and I was like, that's it. 
you get no more. <laughs> like, sorry. Like, like everyone for years was like, you know, make more, make more funny mm-hmm. Sonic comics. Har, har, har. And I was like, nope. <laughs> sorry yeah, i'm allergic know, like, to success don't you understand well i don't i, I think that, I, I don't know i think that's smart because i think that like there's diminishing returns with that kind of shit and like eventually yeah. people are just gonna call you that you know you're the guy that does those funny sonic things you're right. you're hurting yourself you're hurting your own growth as a as an artist and and yeah. no i think it's smart you you, you go out while you're on top <laughs> with anything that's always mm-hmm. the, the move I mean, I, that was, like, the main reason why I didn't do more of them was because they were so, like, dialed up, like, to the extreme on every panel. It's like every every panel is a joke. Every moment is, like, is is goes super hard and all that stuff. And it's like, you can't do that for long. Right. It's, it's kind of yeah. like, like, there's, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, um, it's like the Judd Apatow comedy problem, right? Where it's like... Uh, he makes these movies that are like two and a half hours long, but they're comedies. And at some point you just get tired of laughing. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like a comedy kind of has to come and go and give you a chance yeah. to get fresh. Um, and that's the way I felt about those where it was like, these, these won't make you laugh forever if I just keep doing them. Right. It's just, it's, it's surface level comedy. There's no depth here. So you can't, you're not going to tune in and laugh at the same joke more than five times or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just like, they got to go. Um, and so they did. Mm-hmm. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, so I got those printed out um, when I made my first run of Box Rocky books. It was like the the printer um, that was printing my Box Rocky books. It was like, you got anything else you want to throw on there while we're at it? And I'm like, sure, why not? It cost me like a quarter or something to print one of these little Sonic uh, books as a little zine print thing mm-hmm. um i'll throw them on there and i'll i'll kind of give them away like i sold them with the box rocket books but they're also cheap enough that i could just give away as a, as a like giveaway if i felt like it sometimes um and so at the at san diego uh i gave one of them to the archie people um which they thought was funny and so they you know that was one of the kind of icebreakers that got me in to do covers but then i also gave them uh, to a guy named Aaron Weber, who was the social media manager uh, for Sonic stuff. Uh, he was over there promoting Sonic Lost World, and I walked over there, and I played Lost World, and I said, hey, do you want this funny goof-em-up book? Uh, it's free. <laughs> that was kind of it. <laughs> um, but he's, you know, he said he took it back, and like everyone at Sega thought it was really funny, and they laughed at it for a while. Um, and uh, as I kind of kept working with Archie, uh, I like was simultaneously making a name for myself as drawing normal sonic stuff as well so i think like they kind of picked up that i can draw sonic as he normally is and not just with with silly spongebob faces or whatever um mm-hmm. and uh so when they were working on sonic mania aaron came up and asked me he's like hey man so we want to do a commercial for sonic mania and we want to do an animated like you know like a 2d animated classic sonic um animated short thing and it's like can you do that um and uh, like technically <laughs> it was like i maybe yeah i can do it but like this is also one of my recurring patterns is when somebody asks me if i can do something i just say yes and then i figure it out later um mm-hmm. so it's like uh over the course of all this um sonic stuff like i've learned how to composite and after effects i've learned sound design i've learned uh, uh editing i've learned like I just like things that I need to know to get these things done. I will just learn as needed to yeah. get them done. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, they gave us a budget um, for, to make this thing. I partnered up with uh, Studio Yada, who I'm sure you 
familiar or oh, with yeah. uh, the Yada people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. did, did Yada do Planet Panic stuff for you? Yes, they did. Yeah, I figured. Um, yeah, but, you know, great bunch of folks. Um, we uh, kind of split the duties up a little bit to make it work. It was like in retrospect... I, I should have asked for a lot more money. You know, I'm not going to throw numbers out for this. I think I'd get in trouble. But it's like, um, yeah. like, like you know, Sega gave me a number and me never having done this before um, said, yeah, sure. That sounds like a fine enough amount of money. Uh, let me go around and ask people. And, you know, I asked Yada and they said, sure, we can make that happen. Um, and then uh, just over the course of things, it just became obvious that that it wasn't enough money, you know, um, yeah. like I right. should have asked for, for way more, but again, this is the danger of, uh, hiring someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, and so just, this is where I, I learned that when push comes to shove, I have to pick up the slack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something mm-hmm. that I, I wish I had been in charge of more projects before the Yada stuff happened, because I would have done a much better job of, of protecting them and, and picking up, uh, this like these promises that i had made basically um but uh I, you know i did my best at that at that time but even so it's like i wish i had known before how much work it was going to be how much money people should have been paying for it or getting paid for it um to uh, uh we can do a new page yeah. um but it, it just it became obvious like in the middle of the project that it wasn't enough and so i'm gonna have to pick up the slack here and so that was again like where this pattern started forming where uh, i started animating um a, a lot of the shots myself or, or like doing a lot of red lines and revisions like basically it got to a point where it's like I couldn't ask them to do retakes or or uh, clean up a shot if if it wasn't kind of up to Sega standards or whatever it was like I just had to take it back and then fix it up myself you know and then uh, sometimes do compositing myself uh, I think like originally Yada was slated to do all the like compositing of the entire thing and then we just had to kind of take it back because it was obvious again that it wasn't enough money for, for and time for all that stuff it was like they were having trouble just um meeting the deadline that we had set like again on no fault of their own it was just it yeah was, i mean they were they're a young studio at the time and right and, um, i mean it was it was two groups of young people not knowing what they were getting into <laughs> it was like, yeah it, it's and because i i had similar things i i had to roll up my sleeves and really get dirty with the planet panic short too <laughs> like uh, there was i think maybe 50 or 60 shots in the short total and i went in and modified like worked on like 40 of them you know like right. i like basically took two weeks off work just to like go in and, and fix a lot of things and and yeah, and it's 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 tough because I think I was in a similar boat as you. Like I was, it was my first time directing something that was that professional, and mm-hmm. like didn't know how to lead as well. Um, Yada was still pretty green and still figuring out their pipeline. And and I remember you and I were talking about that at the time. Like you know, it, it was it was similar similar uh, things where we were we were both you and I were both just kind of figuring it out as we went. Yeah, I mean, and, it, it was um, tricky, and it was like, you know, there it was a tense time, but again, it was, as you said, it was just two kind of groups of uh, of youngsters um, biting off more than they uh, thought um, and, and had it's to chew It's tough until you're in it. It's, yeah. it's really tough to know. It, you know, it's experience comes with, with time and, like, but I think that uh, I think those shorts came out really well. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I know you ended up doing a lot of uh, that's like a, a lot of polish. Right. But uh, they came out really well, and I think the response was 
it's fucking great. Yeah, I mean, we, we couldn't <laughs> yeah. be happier with, with how it all turned out. Um, it's, it's how it and, goes. If you if you're passionate about a, a project, then like sometimes you have to get in. That that's the I think it's a sign of a good director is somebody that you know isn't gonna pass the blame, isn't gonna give up on a thing. Like you just roll up your sleeves and you you get in there. Yeah, that's I mean, uh, it it taught me a lot of lessons that again is stuff that I wish I had known first, but it, it taught me a lot of stuff that. I've carried forward into all future jobs that I'm, I'm glad now that I have it just to know, again, not, not necessarily for myself and what I'm getting into, but like what I need to do to protect my people. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's the kind mm-hmm. of thing where uh, a, a director will very rarely have to answer for small mess ups, right? It's like you're at the top of the chain and it's like the company needs you or whatever. So you can get like a slap on the wrist if something big happens or whatever, but you're safe, right? Um it's it's mm. the smaller people that always suffer that's the yeah um, a good director should always just like fall on his sword because it right like i i always feel responsible and in sometimes there's people who you know mess things up like sometimes right, yeah. it's 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 an animator or it's whoever that wasn't doing a great job but i'm never i would never allow that blame to fall on them because right. it's like it should have been me. I should have known. I should have predicted. I should have, you know, been smarter about my choices, like scope yeah. down where, where necessary. I mean, I don't know. Like, you, you can't know everything. I think it's just it's, no. it's easier, though, for the boss to to eat the mistake than it is yes. for the under, under I say underling. Un- underling. I don't want to use that the word. Minion. But uh, the, 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 the person lower down the ladder, right? Because yeah, I, I yeah. think it's the workers. Right, like you're at the end of the day, you're both gonna learn a lesson, but like the director is able to walk away from a hard lesson easier than than someone further down there, right? And it's like, so like for example, like there were some mistakes that happened on on the the mini intro, and it's like, but I came away from them learning all those lessons and able to move forward, taking all that um, and putting it forward, right? But like a a younger artist. Um, if, if they had really like gotten into big trouble, it could have like put a complete stop to their career. Right. And, and that's mm-hmm, the kind of mm-hmm. stuff that like, uh, again, I'm, I'm glad to be present to now where it's stuff that, um, it's like my top priority is like, I truly, it's, it's not like I, I don't care what Sega thinks of me or whatever like that, but it's like, I can, I can say a mistake is my fault and nothing will happen to me. Um, but if I say, oh, this mistake was this person's fault, that could be the end for that person, you know? Um, that's very true. So, yeah, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that, um, the, you know, the higher up the ladder you go, the more you're just taking the blows. Like it, it really is. It's all about responsibility right. and you're getting paid more money and that's right. great. Mm-hmm. But the, the reality is, is that you have to weather every single shitty thing that happens like that is yeah. where that you need that fortitude and you need to have empathy and and just like yeah and and a lot of people they're not interested in in moving up the ladder because they think they realize how difficult it would be on their psyche on you know on on them and that's totally fine like i nobody should ever feel this is totally a tangent but i just something that I thought about is like not everyone is is cut out to be directing and that's totally fine yeah. like it's not for everybody and I've seen it happen where somebody gets moved up to directing an animation and they really struggle because mm-hmm. they just they don't have that that skill set and like maybe they don't have the you know emotional like uh, the fortitude or something and like mm-hmm. that's okay like that's totally fine I, I just 
I wanted to throw that out there because I think um, I've seen that happen. I've yeah. seen it happen where, where directors, you know. Well, it's also a lot of like, it's just also like a lot of work, like um, Tyson, you were saying, it's like, you just have to go in the, you know, like sometimes there's just no, no time for notes and you have to do them yourself because it's just like, you know, when time's running out and that's why, I don't know, like uh, you were like, uh designated as a director is like you can pick up the slack when when there is slack kind of thing yeah. i mean that's kind of how i see my role as a director as well is like you know you have a team they they help you uh get to a certain extent and then uh you know you're the one in, in charge to make sure like everything is at a certain level of quality and sometimes like you have to be the one that's that has all the solutions that to you kind of like Make it happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's one of two things. You have to either accept yeah. that you're not going to get your note addressed or do it yourself. Like, yeah, exactly. Those are, those are my exactly. two ways of approaching a problem is like you have, yeah. you, you have a window where you're allowed to give notes, you know, um, yeah. that's expected. Mm -hmm. That's very it's part true. of the process. Uh, but I think where a lot of directors kind of falter or, or take advantage of their crew is that they keep that window open far too long. You know? I think I want to yeah. I want to highlight that because that's a really that's a really good point. I yeah. think that that there's there is a window of notes and and I, mm -hmm. I've been on the other end of that as well where it's just right. like come on yeah. like it's, move you, on like, from this. Like you get one shot, you know, basically like make your intent clear, uh, mm -hmm. give your note, and then move on, right? But it's like if it, it depends on on the thing too. Like feature, you get a much longer time frame. You get more trial and error. But like yes. on, on TV shows, it's like you or or shorts. You know, uh, depending on the short and the time frame, it's just like you just got to keep moving, right? And you mm -hmm. can get your note addressed at the expense of like the life of your crew. But I, I you shouldn't. You know, <laughs> I think that the trouble is that so few directors have climbed through the ranks, and and I think that's. A thing that would benefit kind of everyone is just a little more experience on at what what the note you're giving actually entails because I, I think that's yeah. that's something that a lot of uh directors that have just kind of been placed into their position don't understand is, is everything you ask for comes with a certain weight you know and mm -hmm. so when you mm -hmm. when you ask for something you need to mentally be accounting for how much weight is this going to add to the project? Um, because I, a lot of people will just willy-nilly give out notes with no accounting for for how much work they're actually asking for, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that will absolutely kill crews. And that's this kind of stuff where it's like, if there's a little minor note, you know, that could be addressed in like 20 minutes or whatever, I'll ask for it. If it's a note that like I really, really want, but I know it's going to, uh, take a full day of work for someone to pick up the slack. It's like, you know, I just got to let it go. Cause it's just, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But that's again, like that's the perspective that I am privileged to have is that I know what I'm asking of, of people when I ask for it. Um, yeah. I think that's the reason why it's really great um, to start on smaller projects or to rise mm -hmm. through like the ranks. Cause mm -hmm. you've done all the jobs yeah. uh, like currently um like for example like on like oh, sorry i'm just talking about myself for a second no, but like the job that i'm on like mm -hmm. we i'm doing i'm doing as much storyboarding as my storyboard artist mm -hmm. so i know exactly what a note 
will take yeah. in terms of tie and I think that's pretty good because yeah. uh, you know if you when you have like a director that uh, is removed from um, the reality of the work yeah hundred mm -hmm. percent it's very easy to not calculate properly how long a note is going to take for, for, yeah yeah I mean there is yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll skirt the the teetering edge of NDA territory here, but there was a, uh, while we were on Sonic and not Sonic, but there was a, a movie that was being done, um, by our VFX studio, um, that, uh, they had a director and this is a, <laughs> I'll just say this. It is an, an infamous, uh, VFX heavy motion picture that came out around the same time as the first Sonic movie. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. um, but our, our VFX studio was, was also doing the, all the character animation and stuff for, for that movie. But the, their director, who also is an infamous jackass like of a director, mm -hmm. like, uh, he, like nobody likes this guy. He's like famously hated, but uh, he's rich and white. Uh, so he right. needs to keep making movies. Yeah. Um, it's a past. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, they they were they were making this movie right next to us and there it was like a palpable aura of misery over this team mm. uh because uh like we'd be sitting there you know i'd be sitting there with uh our modeler making the sonic model um and then like right next to us this this team making this movie you'd be like okay uh mr director you know i won't say his name <laughs> it's like he's like he asked mm -hmm. he asked for this stuff to be changed and like everyone's like but that's that's impossible we can't do that and he's like, like but this is what he asked for this is what we have to do and it's like it's like just the misery of every note that would come in from this guy because mm -hmm. he didn't understand what he was asking for it was like 11th hour huge changes to like big big parts that like completely disrupt the vfx chain but this guy did not know what he was asking for um, because he had no experience. He had never directed a VFX vehicle like this before. Um, and wow. that's, you know, like there's there's stories of, uh, or I guess let's say myths of, of the Sonic 1 um, movie crew. And it's like, oh, this poor team that had to reanimate the whole movie. It's, it's all, first of all, bullshit. Um, <laughs> it's, it <laughs> didn't, didn't happen. Didn't have to reanimate the whole movie. Um, but, uh, our, our director grew up in VFX. Like he was doing VFX for his job for like 10 years or so before he got Sonic, you know? So, uh, he, he knows the pipeline. He knows how to like prepare the production for success. Um, and he knows how to, uh, make sure that the team can handle it. And it's like, it's not to say that it wasn't also a difficult job. Every big VFX movie is a difficult job. Um, but it's like, it was just night and day between, our production and this other production when when you like the leadership knows what they're getting themselves into yeah um, so that's just uh you know uh the the leadership conundrum is you know yeah, you, you totally. want to have it your way but you you have to respect the people below you exactly 100 percent um we kind of glazed over um diesel and i think that oh, i would sure. love to hear your thoughts on uh on diesel and what was like the um the conception of that like and mm -hmm. and a little bit about that process sure uh so diesel started i actually started diesel when i was in college um i had uh i had gotten to this point where my professors were just suggesting that i do independent study um because 
the actual courses weren't teaching me that much anymore. And that's, that's not to say that I was like, I'm some animator savant or whatever. It's like not, not by a long shot. It was just that the, the courses were, were teaching me skills that I already knew, you know, I wasn't the best at them, but I knew them, you know? So it was like taking a class where <clears throat> the professor teaches me like what an arc is or, or whatever. It's like, it's a waste of my time. And uh, so it was just like, we got to find a better way to, to spend my money. Um, so my professors uh, recommended that I just do independent study, which is uh, you basically create your curriculum. Like, what do you want to learn? Um, and mm. then we'll set you up with a professor to teach you how to do it. Um, so I had been doing box Rocky for three years at that point. So I had, I'd done web comics, you know, but I'd never really, I didn't know anything about actual comics at all. So I didn't know how to like format a page or, or write a script, you know, all that stuff. It's just, when you do it all on your own, you just, you create your own methods and then you mm -hmm. just, you do it willy nilly as you need to. Um, but I wanted to know, like, if I want to do comics, um, how do I actually like work in the system, right? So it's like, how do I pitch to a publisher? How do I prepare files for a publisher? All, all that fun stuff. Um, so that's what uh, I asked for. Um, I said, I want to do a comic book. And so we, they said, okay, come up with a comic that you want to do. And we'll just make a, a full comic book. Um, and that's where Diesel came from. It had been some sketches that I had, it had in my sketchbook for a while where I just was doodling. Uh, these characters um, and it kind of became like a, a dumping ground for a bunch of characters that I had created but didn't know where to put them um, and that's why Diesel is kind of the way it is it's like it's kind of like a, a trash punk aesthetic where mm -hmm. uh, I just I throw trash literally punk. everything I have into the same pot right so like the disharmony is the point kind of thing mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, took all these characters, made this story, uh, we made this comic, and then I had this 30-page black and white comic that um, I had put together, and uh, by the time I graduated, it was just this, this thing I had. So I, you know, got a bunch of them printed up to pitch to publishers, and then after working with Boom Comics on the Gumball books for a while, um, they, uh, they asked if I had any originals I wanted to pitch, and so I pitched Diesel, and we worked together on, on that for a while, um, and it was... It was, it was fine. Like it was like I I really really liked doing it, and I wanted to keep doing it. It was it if it wasn't for Sonic, I might have keep kept doing it. But it the same problem was arising where it was just like it took me a full year to make the first Diesel graphic novel, um, you know, and I I think like the pay. Let's just say it was under twenty thousand um, dollars. Mm. Let's say it was significantly under twenty thousand um, dollars, and like I, I was just in this point where I was like, "Well, how am I gonna do this now?" Because I was already in LA at that point. Um, mm. I had uh, I had been storyboarding for Fred Raider on Bravest Warriors. Uh, I had uh, done the Zim movie at that point, um, and you know Zim, in on six months on Zim. I had earned triple what the entire Diesel book had earned. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, and this isn't just like money, money, money. This is like thinking like cost of living in Los Angeles. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I had a studio. It's the bare apartment. minimum, honestly. Right. It's like I had a studio apartment in Koreatown. Um, I wanted to move in with my then girlfriend, now wife, you know, but I, I didn't want 
and, and would not allow myself to be in, in a position where I'm asking her to pay for rent while I follow my dream or whatever. It's just like, I, mm-hmm. it's not, I can't live that way. Um, so it's like, I have to make money if I want to continue to live here and like be happy and healthy. And again, I hadn't had health insurance. I, I still, I think at, at that point, I still hadn't been to a doctor in like 10 years. Still hadn't been to a 10. I, I There was like a 12 year span where I didn't go to the dentist because I couldn't afford it. Um, and storyboarding, while, you know, it's, it's, it's a decent living. It's not like super great money, but it's a decent living. It's, it's enough for you to live in this city. It's like, I just, I got to keep doing this. Um, and then like the, the Sonic stuff, <clears throat> like, I'll, the time frame of it was first diesel book came out um immediately after the first diesel book wrapped the sonic mania intro thing happened and then as soon as the mania intro wrapped um zim happened and so like one after the other these these opportunities that i just couldn't say no to kept popping up um and boom was was they wanted to do another volume um but it was like, I can't not do a Sonic cartoon, right? And then, like, Zim yeah. happened. It's like, mm-hmm. I can't not do a Zim cartoon, right? Like, <laughs> um, and then uh, when Zim was over, it was it was this option of, do I go back and do more Diesel and make, like, not barely enough money to survive in this city? Or do I keep following the Sonic stuff for a little while and then go back to Diesel or find a way to keep doing it all? Um, and it just, it, it got to this point point where it's like when i was ready to go back to diesel th- the iron had cooled a little too much um mm-hmm. and, and and boom was like yeah you know yeah no thanks um and so it's like my options now are i, I can get the property back um mm. but then what do i do with it like i i can't pitch it in this environment nobody That's... wants to make an expensive yeah action cartoon right now um nope I don't know how to make a living off it as a comic. And it's like, mm-hmm. I already work 12 hours a day, right? It's like, I, <laughs> I if, if there was time for me to do a web comic, like even in my evenings, I would do it. I, I don't, I mm-hmm. don't think people realize like how actually insane my, my work. Uh, I don't want to say ethic because it's not ethic. It's a compulsion. <laughs> it's like, it's mm-hmm. an addiction. Yeah. It's like while I was working full time on Sonic two as the, storyboard supervisor and like just head of story the like they gave me co-producer on sonic 2 because i did too many jobs for them to give me one title basically it was like mm-hmm. it just got to a point where it's like uh you're a producer because you've done too much on this thing um but it's like so while i was doing all that on sonic 2 i still directed five shorts in that time span like mm. um it's there i don't have time to do anything else it's like i i just there's there's no way i can fit a comic into all this now right it's like would you say like your hours are like the first thing you do in the morning is like you start working and then that's the last thing that you do before you fall asleep i mean that kind of my my schedule (laughs) on sonic 2 i mean it was literally i would wake up uh Uh for i would get into zoom calls at at nine in the morning and i would be on sonic zoom calls until like seven or eight at night sometimes Um, oh wow yeah and and then as soon as those were done i would have to then immediately i'd like i'd grab dinner and then i would start Mm -hmm. working on one of my other shorts that i was directing like i I was Mm -hmm. like i did i did four shorts 
for for Sega during that time, and then I also directed a short for a Chinese company um, at the time. So it was like, and, and these were not you know small projects; these were these were big things. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just like from from sun, not even sunrise to sunset. From just like from waking up to going to bed, it was just like work, 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 work. And I did that yeah. for like for almost two years straight. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's rough. Yeah. That's yeah. rough. Like, I, I hope you're, I hope you're taking care of yourself because that, that could really pile up. I mean, I, I kind of understand that. Like, I, I do understand because it is a thing where it's like, well, those are like dream opportunities. Like, you were, you were excited to do these projects, right? <laughs> I mean, some of them, some of them were just, yeah. <laughs> like, some of them weren't very exciting at all. But it's like, it's again, this is where. Uh, I have to say, this is not work ethic. It's just like it, workaholism. It really is. It's just like I <laughs> yeah. just like, I, I have to fill every moment with with work for some reason. Mm-hmm. Do you, Do you feel like it's because coming from comics, where it was like hard making a living, now That's it's like ask, you, yeah. yeah, you can't turn down anything. Or, uh, very uh, possible that that it started there. Whereas, like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it exactly, right? Like, you can't say no because what if the next thing doesn't yeah, come? Yeah, totally. That's yeah. that freelance mm-hmm. life. Yeah, right. it's, it 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 kind of like digs it inside of you, and then it's hard to unpack. Yeah. Um. It's like that's, I. That's yeah. That's tough, man. Like, but it's not. I don't know. It, I I wasn't like depressed at this time. Like it sure. was like it was a lot of work. Um. But at the same time, every minute was kind of exhilarating in, in that way, right? Like, one of the reasons why I, I like working on the, the Sonic movies so much is because not only do I have a lot of different responsibilities, but, like, I get a lot of different responsibilities, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like I'd wake up one day and they're like, hey, uh, we rewrote this scene. Uh, can you storyboard it for us right now? And I'm like, uh, sure. <laughs> and then, like, oh, and by the way, when yeah. you're done with that, we need all these props designed. It's like, uh, okay, great. And then, oh, yeah, and, and they're also the studios waiting on notes from the, the character models. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, like, mm-hmm. and, uh, we need these, uh, the, the advertising renders need to have um, notes done on them. So get that done, too. So it's like there, there were days on the sonic movie where i was like working for five different departments at the same time and like Mm. everyone needed everything done yesterday kind of time frame um and for for me that's like the moments where i feel most alive (laughs) it's it's the kind of stuff where i know a lot of people would be like oh my god i'm gonna fucking die like uh, this is this is too much Uh for me uh like I, i can't handle all this pressure but for me it's like these are like the times when it's like i don't know who else can do this so it's like i'm getting an ego boost that like i'm oh, yeah. pulling all this off right now you know? no yes yeah. yeah. same same hat man i i it's especially uh, yeah i'm gonna talk about myself a little mm. bit just to relate but like uh you know the pandemic was was really tough because i lost the ability to work on a lot of the stuff that i was working on mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff that i had momentum on and mm-hmm. so as soon as things started happening again, the la- this this whole year so far, it's been like five different projects, and like I've talked about it on Twitter and stuff. But mm-hmm. and, but it's like it's great because yeah, there's times where I'm like completely beat to shit and I'm exhausted. But it but it's great because yeah, a lot of this stuff it it comes down to me, and so it's like you said, it's like there's a sense of responsibility and maybe there is a bit of ego boosting. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's it, it's making it maybe for me it's making up for lost time. But but I, I get the I get the the feeling of the thrill of it. Yeah. I think that, you know, especially like we 
we've worked so many years to get to these positions, right? Where like people are looking to us for, for answers and for, and for progress. And like, it feels good. It feels good. Yeah. And, and, um, but yeah, trying to, uh, you gotta draw a line at some point, I think, you know, cause yeah. the, the burnout's real and like, it can catch up with you. But there's well. also this thing where it's like, you know, when you work on a project that you really enjoy and that you, you love, like, I don't know, like the hours don't feel the same. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, that's the reason why I was asked to you, like, like much earlier on in the interview, like if you were a Sonic fan, because mm -hmm. it's like, if you're a fan, like it's, it's so much more fun than like, it is like, yes, it is a job, but it's also like, uh, mm you're drawing something that you enjoy drawing, I guess, uh, yeah. if that makes sense. I, I have complicated feelings on, on that specifically, yeah. just because it's, it can really, that pendulum can swing really hard one way or the other. When oh, you're yeah. A fan. It's like, oh, yeah. sure. on the one hand, you, like, I think at the start, you know, on like maybe your first project, the, the thrill of working for Sonic can really carry you through it right it's like oh this is difficult but whatever i'm doing a sonic thing like yeah it's great mm -hmm. like i that doesn't really last more than one or two projects you know like before mm -hmm. you're just used to it right like i've been mm -hmm. i've been doing sonic stuff for now like for five ish years or whatever like that the, right. the fan aspect of it doesn't carry you that long and, and what it eventually kind of can actually turn into and this is the dangerous part of working on a pro property that you really like is that a fan comes into a job like this with their own ideas and, and right, that's the mm -hmm. danger zone right because i i come mm -hmm. into sonic thinking about like you know it's it's no it's no uh mystery that sonic has had you know some turbulent years here and there or whatever yeah. and so it's like when i come into it i think of all the things that man if, if i was in charge of sonic what would i do and and like to make it right right like uh, in, in my mind i have all the answers for how to make sonic a big success and, and how to fix all the problems that he's had over the years and so i get in there and uh immediately i'm thinking man here it is here's my chance i'm gonna i'm gonna do this all right now you know and mm -hmm. the the problem is is that you don't have any power to actually do that you know this is mm -hmm. this is still a very very tightly controlled property by a giant corporation who is like the character is still overseen by people that have been overseeing him for you know 20 -ish, five plus -ish years now um mm -hmm. and so they're the ones who have the ideas on what sonic is and what he needs to be right so mm -hmm. it's like little little parts of me squeak through on each project but like by and large uh it's it's still their show you know yeah um, right and and that can really really uh do a number on your brain because then people are looking at the stuff that you put out and thinking oh this is a tyson production and it's like like look at this you can tell he did this and it's like oh man why did why do you do this and i'm like oh man you guys you got no freaking clue I, <laughs> like I see, like i see now why you you cringed at me saying that earlier now now i get it like it's i mean yeah. it's it's the thing where like yes like little little parts of me get through but like people have this impression that like i for example like that i want sonic to be this loosey-goosey kind of tom and jerry goofy cartoon show or whatever like because that's what the first couple of projects that we we did at sega were and it's like one of the most difficult times i had in recent memory was the making of 
uh, the, the racing shorts that we did because I didn't want them to be funny at all. Like I wanted them to be cool and, and character driven. And I wrote, I wrote scripts that were all about the characters and how they learned to get along. I wanted to have dialogue. Like I wanted it to be this kind of cool teen focused thing. And like all that got thrown out. Right. So it was like, and then immediately I was like, Oh, but we can't just do the thing we just did. Like, this is, again, like, anyone that knows anything about me or has followed me for any amount of time knows that I don't do the same thing twice, right? It's just, like, it is not in my nature. Uh, like, mm-hmm. just like how we said about, like, the Funny Face Sonic comics. Or, like, I can't, right. I can only do the same trick once before I worry that people are going to catch on to my tricks, you know? And yeah. so, mm-hmm. um, when when it came time to do these racing cartoons, it was like, I, you're asking me to do the same show I just did, but I just did that, right? And it, it was like it was it was really really difficult. Like um, those those shorts, like I you know I, I I won't speak to how they they came out. I'm very very happy and, and proud of everyone that worked on them. But it's like that was one of the most difficult times of my life, where it was truly it was like mm-hmm. I'm I'm in the Sonic sphere now. It's like people know my name. And my sophomore project now is something that I don't want to do at all. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's it's what people are going to like when you do the same thing twice, then people start to look for that as your pattern. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, Sonic or Tyson likes to do funny face Sonic cartoons. Right. So that's that's what he is. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you don't understand. I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to because that's what I was being forced or not forced, but that's what's being asked of me. Right. It's like yeah. right. it's not like this is the, the Tyson show now. It's still the Sega show. And mm-hmm. I do what they ask of me, like having yeah, director as my title doesn't mean that I make the decisions. Right. Um, so, no, that's good to hear. I think it's. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's very important. I think they're, they're still going to hold the IP. They're still going to have the money. And mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I mean, you're you're just working for them. Right. But if I if I wasn't a Sonic fan, that kind of decision wouldn't be so hard. Right. Because sure. it doesn't come with all the baggage of what I've wanted to see Sonic be for years and years and years, right? If someone, right. if I'm just some cartoon maker that Sega approaches, is like, hey, do you want to make a Sonic cartoon? I'd be like, okay, great. You want it to be funny? Fine, I'll do that. Like, uh, in a car? Uh, sure, what the hell? I don't know anything <laughs> about these characters. I'll do whatever you say. But, <laughs> but, like, but for me, as a fan who, again, has been, like, waiting his whole life to realize dreams of, of what i want to see mm. it's like you might as well be pulling my my teeth out with no anesthesia it's just like mm. you're you're yeah oh i see yeah okay because you're you're a hardcore fan oh god <laughs> like there, there's there's nothing casual about like my love for sonic like i am yeah i am a walking wikipedia like i you're really i have right. reminded sonic yeah. team of things they've forgotten on like more than a regular basis <laughs> yeah know? it's just a job for them but you're you're in this shit you're exactly in yeah. I mean, like even on the movie for example you know that's one of the reasons why uh when they first realized that oh we're just going to keep him around was like they would have questions and i would be like i would hear them in the next room like asking questions about like oh well you know what what does knuckles deal with here or like oh we need like a a a species of character that that comes from this place or whatever like i would just poke my head in the room be like well actually you know yeah oh that's great yeah like there's there's truly it's it's not like oh yeah i'm a sonic fan it's like no i'm a freaking like embarrassing sonic fan 
you know? Um, <laughs> well. and, and so like the opportunity to work on this stuff, that's where it becomes like a double-aged blade. Like everyone, yeah, everyone yeah. That's, that's sitting out there thinking that, oh man, if I was in charge of Sonic, I would fix it. I would do all this stuff. No, I know exactly yeah. what I do. It's like, you have no friggin' clue. Yeah. You wouldn't get to do mm. shh anything no <laughs> like, it takes it takes so much to push through any decisions i'm sure like yeah. i can imagine do um, you feel like um this is just a random question but do you feel like the execs are appreciate that you have so much of sonic knowledge or do you feel like sometimes maybe it gets in the way of the job uh, uh you don't have to answer from to... from like the sega side or from like the paramount side oh, oh both, interesting i yeah. guess um i think I think they both appreciate it. I, I think mm. it's just, you know, like I don't, I don't really have a lot of kind of heated interactions with, with anyone. Um, you mm. know, I, I recognize the chain O command as it were, mm-hmm. um, where it's mm-hmm. like, even if I'm director, I'm still not the executive at the top of the thing. Right. So it's like, I, right. I always give my opinion on what I think should be done or needs to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when, you know, it's their money and it's their thing. So it's like, I will acquiesce to what they ask to be done because if if I didn't, then I would be gone and someone else would be doing exactly what they were being asked to be done. Mm. Um, so uh, I think from their perspective, especially from like Sega's perspective, I, I think uh, it's been very uh, helpful for them to not have to give a lot of notes they usually have to give you know like oh nice like Mm -hmm, uh, a lot mm -hmm. of um times uh, on projects they're dealing with people that just don't know anything about the property so they have to give all these really kind of silly surface level stuff it's like no knuckles is this tall and like oh Mm -hmm, no mm -hmm. uh tails wouldn't do this and all that stuff and they they, they don't have have to do that stuff with me like Mm -hmm, ever so mm -hmm. they save a lot of time um and also being able to speak like japanese like means that i can just we can give notes back and forth without a translator um, oh wait you haven't talked about that at all okay, okay how did you learn japanese like was it a hobby did you learn it in college uh, you just really fast no, yeah I, I lived in japan for a few years and so I picked it. Oh. um wow uh and so like i think you know for for sega it's it's been a really great relationship for them just because of, mm-hmm. of how few uh little hoops or extra hoops they have to to jump through to get their thing done it's like we'll still have differences of opinion on like like what the like show should be or like the tone or like what the characters would do or whatever like that. But like at the end of the day, they're not giving notes on how Sonic's eyes work or, or this or that, you know, it's a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that they save a bunch of, of time um, and uh, in trouble uh, by not having to deal with someone that, that isn't familiar with the property. So, mm-hmm. um, and they're like super appreciative. Like, like I, you know, it, it's difficult for me as a fan not being able to have like full creative control over this stuff. But like, I wouldn't say, or, or Sega is still like a great partner to work with. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to make that seem like it's the case where they're some ogres or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, there, there have always been very, very uh, vocally and like publicly appreciative of, of our relationship. So it's, it's never been at all mm. a thing where I feel like they, they think it gets in the way or whatever. Um, and, and Paramount, it's like one of the hugest uh, boons to our relationship is just like 
again, like they, they don't have to wonder if this thing that we're doing is going to get by Sega or not, because I'll tell them whether it's going to get by Sega or not, you know? Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you probably made yourself yeah. invaluable at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, there, there's a question like for, for on the movie, uh, people don't really know like who I'm working for a lot of the time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the directors and the producers, they all know, but like a lot of the, the people like, in the chain will be like, Oh, so you're like the Sega guy. Right. And I'm like, no, I just, I work for Paramount, you know, but, mm-hmm. but because I know everything about Sonic and I have all these answers for all the Sonic related questions, people just assume that I'm like an inside guy for Sega. That's like their babysitting or something like that. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. Wow. Um, we ask our guests how they deal with creative block and what it feels like for them. Hmm. Um, I I may not be helpful here. I I don't get creative block. No, that's valid. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, I don't I don't know. I I don't get creative block, and I don't get burned out. And I I wish I had uh, better answers for those that do. I but I from from an outsider's perspective, it's always seemed to me that getting creative block or getting burnt out is and again this is my my armchair philosophy thing so like Mm -hmm. please do not take this as gospel this is all just uh postulation but it's it's always seemed to me like internally your mind is trying to tell you something that you don't want to hear so that can be Mm -hmm. either that you don't actually like doing what you're doing or you're uh, you're not giving yourself enough time off, for example. Or um, I guess like I know a lot of people that do this kind of thing for years and years before realizing they don't like doing it, you know, mm-hmm. like or, or they don't like doing the part of the process that they are doing. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. in, in comics, I know a lot of people were doing web comics that hated drawing, right? Mm-hmm. But they they uh-huh. but they wouldn't admit that selves or they wouldn't admit that to themselves until they got a job writing, because mm-hmm. and I think you know because they wouldn't let themselves think that they thought that they had to draw, right? But as mm-hmm. soon as as their lifestyle changed to a point where they could be like, oh, I don't need to draw. Wow, I hated drawing, right? Like, yeah, and I think that that's a, a big example. But I think it's a lot of like smaller decisions there that, that kind of apply where it's like, you know, maybe, maybe you're not drawing what you actually want to draw, for example, you know, like your, your body is telling you to follow, uh, your, your passion, but like, you're not letting yourself do that for whatever reason. Like either you're not mm-hmm. making enough time to draw what you actually want to draw. Like, do you, do you like, are you feeling burnt out because you hate drawing comics, but what you really want to draw is just covers, you know? Like, maybe maybe mm-hmm. you just like illustrating. Maybe you love drawing, but comics is something entirely different, and you're forcing yourself to draw that to make a living, but you actually hate it, you know? It's, yeah. it's like, again, this is a complete armchair psychology, but uh, it's the kind of thing where, I guess, I, I think on a day-to-day basis, a lot of people aren't honest with themselves regarding what they really want um because they're afraid that it's going to rock their boat 
you know yeah right. i agree uh, with that i think that's 100%. yeah that's very i think that's very well observed honestly um, like difficult decisions are, are hard to make for a reason right like uh, mm-hmm. what if, like, what if I had been doing this for five years, right? And, and I, uh, I hated it, but coming to that realization meant that my entire foundation was pulled out from under me, right? Mm-hmm. What would I do, right? Like, like yeah. what, like what could I possibly do with my life if I suddenly realized I hate drawing cartoons? I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I don't know what my next steps would be. I, do I yeah. go back to school? Do I just have no job? Am I going to be homeless? It was like coming to that kind of realization is, is right. so scary that your brain would stop you from coming to that realization to protect yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's, that's a big, big example. But I think there's a lot of smaller decisions that are similar to that where it's like, I don't want to realize this because it's going to make life harder for me. Um, yeah. right. and I think, yep. you know, that can come in the form of like relationships. Like, do I want to stay in this relationship? Like, I mean, I'm getting really kind of <laughs> off it even, <laughs> yeah. but, but I think, or, but I think it's, it's a lot of things are, are like that where it's like you, uh, you kind of make your mind think that you like something to protect mm-hmm. your, your, your status quo a little bit. Um, and I think when it comes to creative block, uh, like the, the few times, like when I was younger, when I got it, it was because I was not letting myself draw the stuff that I actually wanted to draw. You know, it was like, like, yeah, I probably, maybe this is the most clearest example of this, but it's like for anyone out there that's an artist or likes to draw it's like, and you've been told to do like a still life painting of some fruit in a bowl or whatever like that. And it's like, I would rather die. Yeah. You know? I hate that shit. It's like, it's, that's the kind of thing where it's like, that's drawing, right? But it's not what you want to draw. You know. Yeah, it, it's yeah, not... that's how you know whether or not you really like to draw. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like I I don't want to ever do still lifes, right? But if no. if I had to do a bunch of still lifes, I would sit there and be like, oh my god, I'm so blocked up right now, right? Because that's so funny. like just because yeah, it's yeah. not what I want to be doing, and like that's right. the kind of example where it's like a still life would be given to you as an assignment, um, mm-hmm. but. Uh, a job is is very similar to that where it's like your job is your assignment right and so it's like if every day you're given this thing where it's like you have to storyboard today and it's like okay i told myself i wanted to be a storyboard artist so here i am but it's like in reality maybe you actually don't like storyboarding right like i mean i that was my journey the last like three years is mm-hmm. i I thought that I needed to do boards to advance mm-hmm. my career and advance my uh, development of my mm-hmm. show. And like, holy shit, I was not cut out for it. Like, I, I, I can do it, but I was mm-hmm. miserable the whole time. Yeah. It's like, it it's not a matter of ability at all. And no, I, that's, yeah. Like, that's not, I, I guess I really hope that that's not what I'm implying here either. Is like, it doesn't mean that you're not good at it. It's just like you actually yeah. might not like doing everybody, it. Everybody, everybody was validating me all the time. Like, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. But I just fucking hated it. Like, yeah. I just didn't want to do it. And so I pivoted away and now I'm much happier. Like, yeah. I, and it's also just like a matter sometimes of like the project. It doesn't have always to be like the skill. But like, mm-hmm. I know for myself, like depending on the kind of project that I storyboard on, storyboarding can be extremely painful or it can be yeah. like the most fun thing ever in the world. Yeah. it's like it can't because that's kind of the thing where people are like casting someone for with their um 
like personality or sensibilities it's like some you know like if if you love drawing like a multicam sitcom like you one person might love it another person might feel like completely uh like sucked out of all their energy because you don't get to do like fun like action shots right. and some other people might be just like action mm -hmm. it means death to my soul yeah. <laughs> so it's like really that kind of you know like sometimes it's not even just like the skill but it can be even like the content yeah. or yeah the sensibility it's very like kind of invisible this kind of Mm -hmm. um things sometimes it's hard but it's great to talk about yeah i don't feel like a lot of people talk about it i, I, I think, think you, uh, yeah, sorry, go i was gonna say i think that you, you know you're leading into this saying you didn't uh know what to say but i think that this is all really valuable stuff I yeah think, i think it's important mm -hmm. to reassess if, if i could like distill down what you're saying i think sometimes creative block comes from a place of like not feeling happy with what you're working on mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and finding what that is and like you know reassessing what your priorities are I yeah think that's I think that's great advice um uh, this is yeah. uh sorry were, were you trying to move on yeah but if you have something to say by all means uh, yeah like just like this is one last point on this that this someone said this in a tweet and i don't think everyone agrees with it but i i personally do um where someone said that like burnout doesn't come from working too hard burnout comes from working too hard and not uh being appreciated for it mm. um and, and that's something that has a hundred percent been true for me where it's like on like say for example uh you know i had a great time working on mania adventures right where it was like uh i, I was happy that what we were doing um I, I would work from or on the movies let's say that like on the movie like two specifically i worked ridiculous hours on movie two but I never got burnt out. I mean, it was like just uh, really fr from the minute I woke up, like I would be in like Zoom calls and like from the until the moment I went to sleep, just like work, 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 work. I but and like everyone is saying like, man, you're going to burn out, man, you're going to burn out. But like it never even got close. It was like hmm. every day was a crazy workload, but every day was also exciting and fun because the yeah. people that I was working with were appreciating me. You know, yeah. um, they were, you know, like at no point was I like not being listened to. It was like, it was just a great uh, work environment. And so the amount of work never got me down. But then uh, meanwhile, like on a different project that I, I will not name, it was like, I, I was struggling to have my voice heard and I was doing barely any work on it. It was just like, you know, here's, here's a couple drawings or whatever like that. And, but they would get completely thrown out or whatever. It's like mm. that immediately burned me out. Because it was just yeah. like, I, I am not even doing anything, but like my voice isn't being heard. And it's just like, I want to freaking quit, you know? Um, yeah. And, and that's a good so point. That's, I don't know. Like, I think it's it's easy to think that burnout is coming from overworking. But for, for me, and I think if people inspected it a little bit, I think they might find as well that like, it's not necessarily the amount of work. It's just that you might hate the work you're doing. Um, or like you said not being appreciated i yeah. think it's kind of like the i think that's the hardest thing it's like when you spend a lot of like because time is like a finite resource mm -hmm. so if you're spending it on and on something that gives you almost no return i guess money is a return but like appreciation is, is huge yeah. but you know if you don't get appreciation yeah. for a lot of the time that you're spending on something it really gets like yeah. borderline like existential crisis land because you're like 
what am I doing with my life? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Having money so, is great. Yeah. Having money is great. Let me just say, I think that'll, that'll patch up a lot of uh, feelings of yeah. uh, not being appreciated. If, you, if I'm, yeah. if I'm making, making stacks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to, to, you know, to a limit, we have time for a few questions from Twitter from at C Pimentel art. What kind of ideas did you want to do with boxer hockey that you've never got a chance to? ideas um i mean other than finish it <laughs> um sure. so you know the, the whole arc of that story was and this is why it's also it's kind of been so hard to go back to because i think it was for for, for me all of the characters in box rocky were like different kind of splits of my psyche you know it was like each character was a different facet of my personality. Um, and so for, for me, all their arcs were me kind of doing, and I think a lot of writers work this way, but it's like um, all of their arcs that they were going through were all like little bits of therapy for me just to like, to hear it mm-hmm. um, on, on the page. Um, and, and it's why it's so hard to go back to it now is because a lot of the stuff that I was working through in my twenties with that stuff, I've kind of, resolved right mm, and so right. it's like i don't i don't know how to go back and tell these stories with these characters because in my mind their stories are kind of done Interesting. Um, yeah and uh like getting um like like i i just i don't know it, it's it's tricky like i wanted to have like where it was going was like they were heading towards the game, which was going to be their final game as a team. And it was going to be like, everything was going to kind of come to a head and um, like skip uh, and Ritz, you know, the two main characters were, were going to realize that they actually, they don't like playing boxer hockey. Um, they, they just mm-hmm. like being with each other. And they thought that um, that's like, great. Like the, the problem with their relation or the difficulty in their relationship was that they thought that, boxer hockey was keeping them together but was you know it actually they didn't need it kind of thing um so uh like i but i don't know it's hard to to go and tell that story now when it's it's just been told for so many years and i I can't start it over as well but i guess that that would that'd be the one main thing that i really wish i could have wrapped up on the page was, was just this story of uh these two people that really, really care about each other, um, but they're afraid to admit that they care about each other because of who they are. You know, it's uh, like they've been using this sport as their justification for hanging out. But like in reality, it's just because this, they just, they like each other, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I wish I, I wish I could have wrapped that up. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's, I, I, I I am at an age where I, I told myself for years and years and years that like, I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to find a way, but it's just, uh, it gets to a point where it's like, I don't know how that it's going to happen. Right. Like yeah. I'm going to have to be retired and then like <laughs> and not have to worry about money anymore in order to really yeah. make this a reality. I mean, it's rare that stories finish, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's really hard. Like it's really hard to finish a thing because most of the time something gets, especially if you're not being like paid to do it, like right. fuck that. Like it's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, from at Dominic, 
V, uh, it's a bunch of letters. Uh, which of your career roles was most fun and what role was most fulfilling? Career roles is most fun. Kind of tricky. I, I, maybe this might answer the question. It might not. Maybe I'll, I'll word salad this together to a point that it does make sense eventually. But mm-hmm. I guess uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been going back and forth just recently on um, like what I want to, to be and, and uh, like as a long term goal. Right. Like I've been doing directing for so long, but at the same time, when I work with a director or under a director that I really, really like, I find that like just as rewarding as, mm-hmm. as being in charge of, of the, the whole thing. Like for example, um, Jeff uh, Fowler, the director on the Sonic movies and like Jonan Vasquez on the Zim movie. It's like, you know, both, both of these times I was working under these, these guys um, and, you know, I wasn't the boss, but I had so much fun working with them that it just it's at times it didn't feel like work you know mm-hmm. um but meanwhile being a director has always felt like work um mm. and so uh and even though you know being a director on something that you're really proud of at the end can feel really rewarding um it's it's much more exhausting uh and I think I think directing is a job that is just completely misunderstood by basically everyone that hasn't gone through it before. Um, mm-hmm. I think people think a lot of times that, uh, for example, like, as we talked about earlier, it's like, oh, you're the boss, you're in charge, you get to do what you want to do. And it's like, that's not what it is at all. It's like mm-hmm. you get to do kind of half of what you want. And then the other half of your job is making sure that the people that are working for you are also fulfilled and also um having their voices heard and also you know getting their time to shine because like just because your name is at the top doesn't actually mean that it's your show you know um Mm -hmm. it's 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 your show but it's also the people under you show and it's also the people above you show it's it's a balancing act between all these parties on either sides of you um and you are trying your best to get your voice out and to make something like a quality product, but like it's such a constant balancing act that you never really get to relax. Um, And meanwhile, working Mm -hmm. under someone, you're just, your only priority is just help them make what they want to make in the best way. Um, And and in that way, that's like really, really fun and exciting for me. Like to see, to see someone's face and, and, and uh, recognize that, oh, you hit it exactly. Like you gave them what they want. Like that's that's an immediate and simple kind of relationship. Um, it's like you. you That's so true. You know. I feel like what you're saying is that like when you're at the top, like, I mean, because you're at the top, top, you don't really get like it's you're you don't really get appreciated like the same kind of appreciation as you would get if you're kind of like working for a, a like a director or like a supervisor mm-hmm. because you you know like there's no one around you that's gonna be like you did a great job they're just gonna be like moving on to the next <laughs> yeah i think like maybe that's another part of it is that like as as a storyboarder or as a designer or whatever you can know that you've done a good job because you will have done what the director asked of you. And, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. there, I did my job well. As a director, I don't know if you can ever know if you've done a good job or not. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always going to be, like, uh, 
this lingering thought in your head that it could have been better. Oh yeah. Right. Um, th- there's mm-hmm. no, there's no stamp of approval on a full product, like a, a full film or whatever that says this is good and you did good and it's done and great. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. so as a director, you never get that moment, but like when you're working under someone, you can do a great board or you can do a great design, you know? And like, mm-hmm. and that's just it. It's, it's simple, um, little bit of serotonin or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. you, you get that boost and that you know that you're good. But yeah, like as a director, you never get that moment, right? Like, cause nothing you ever make will ever be universally good. Everyone's always going to hate yeah. something. It's right? true. So right. It's true. It's like, there's no if- movie that's like, everyone's like agrees like, Oh yeah, that's a, that's a great, perfect movie and everyone loves it and the director did a good job it's like you can, you can never have that right <laughs> yeah no tell us what uh are your goals for the future what mm. kind of stuff do you want to work on or what uh maybe things you want to try goals for the future this is this is also maybe going back to my problem with like never actually looking for work or putting myself out there <laughs> it's like uh I'm afraid to have goals because I'm afraid that I'll fail at them. (laughs) You know, it's like, and and I know that's, that's exactly the opposite advice I would give anyone. Like, I I think it truly, uh, the whole like vision board thing, you know, like, you know, like, uh, for anyone that doesn't know what vision boards are or how that whole thing works, but it's basically like, imagine the life you want to have, um, and like put it together visually, uh, in front of you and eventually it will manifest itself. Like, like that, that's, uh, a thing that I, I agree with. I think it actually works personally. It's like, if you like, say you want to get in a particular body shape or whatever. So you put Mm -hmm. up pictures of like the shape you want your body to be in, like put surrounding yourself with that or like, say i want to have this job and so i need to dress this way and i you know i want to i want my garden to look like this so this is all the stuff my garden wants to look like and you like you kind of put all that stuff in front of you and you just you just like put it in a place where you see and respond to it every day and eventually it will happen like i think that's a a thing that can work really well and i think for people that have goals i really recommend it um but like for me this is again like just i i hesitate to say I want to do this or that in case it doesn't happen, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that might stem from what happened with me with boxer hockey, because with boxer hockey, I did actually have goals, you know? Right. Um, like it wasn't just like, I'm going to make this cartoon uh, willy nilly and just see what happens. It was like, my goals were is like, I'm going to make a living out of this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I was so young and ignorant about like how you actually make a living, I, th- I think I got myself into this position where I was like, this is what I want to happen. I don't know how I'm going to make it happen, but I'm going to do it, you know? And, and it all kind of mm-hmm. fell apart because I just, I didn't know. Right. And I didn't do the proper planning and I didn't uh, really think through like, what is it going to take for this to, to really happen? Um, and this boxer hockey, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say it spectacularly failed, but it's just like it, it eventually failed. Um, and it, uh, it left me with a, a, for a long time, just a lot, a lot of guilty feelings in my, in my heart, mm. I guess you mm-hmm. would say like, like for a long time, it was, it's just like, I can't believe 
I let this thing that I liked so much fall by the wayside. And I can't believe all the people that are disappointed in me that I didn't finish it. And I can't believe all these people that are not going to be able to see the end of this story that they really like. And it was like, but at the same time, there's just nothing I could do about it. You know, mm -hmm. um, and it was like, uh, I wouldn't say it was a source of trauma for me, but like it was a, for a long time, just a really, really uh, difficult um, aspect of, of my life. And so, and it all stemmed from the fact that I had set out to make it a success. And, and Diesel similarly was like, I'm going to make a graphic novel series where it's like, uh, this is going to be, you know, a long running series. And I'm going to have one of my, one of my stories finally out there and finished to completion. And that's another one where it was like, it just, it, it, it fell apart because I couldn't make a living on it. And so these are like two, two points in my life where I had really kind of clear, distinct goals and wants out of something and it fell apart. Um, and it, so it's, it's hard now for me to think like, what's a goal? Because what if it, what if it all fails again? Like, you know, sure. um, so I, don't... I have like, um, mm. I have like a tricky question mm. for you. If you had like, with the knowledge you have now, if you had a do over for both of those projects, mm. what would you do differently? Mm. Uh, I mean, that's pretty uh, actually easy. Like it, it, in hindsight, I would have made boxer hockey a lot shorter. Um, mm. like I would have, uh, I would have prioritized finishing pages over beautiful art. Mm -hmm. um but at the same time if i had done that i wouldn't know how to paint right like i, mm -hmm. I learned how to paint by mm -hmm. painting bgs on box rocky and being able to paint was what landed me the sonic movie job so it's like mm. uh it's, it's decisions where it's like you, you you pull one jenga block out and you don't know yeah what, what that's going to disrupt yeah. for everything later i mean at the end of the day like you're very successful yeah. you know and like it's like you said it's like you pull one thing out those kinds of projects are so difficult to to pull off and stick the landing the ones mm -hmm. where you're barely making ends meet and right. you know and i also something because i never finished my the flash series that a lot of people know me for hyperboy mm -hmm. and to me it's like I, I i appreciate that people still ask about it i'm glad that people care enough to want to see it end but on the other hand it's like guys it's been like 15 years mm -hmm. like i just i i feel like I, I'd go through media like it's tissues, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I think that's just the nature of things right now. Like there's just constant content. And so I think the, like the, the worth that people put on things is not equivalent to the worth put into it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it hard for me to feel bad about not having finished something because I'm like, this is so many hours and you watch it for five minutes and like, I'm glad that you enjoyed it, but it's not equivalent to how much physical and mental strain it costs me and mm -hmm. so like until everybody that says when is this thing coming out is willing to you know chip in and, and to pay me basically a salary to do it I'm, right. I'm like i'm pretty neutral about it i'm like i thank you i'm glad you enjoyed it but i was 14 and had all the time in the world yeah and i just don't i just don't i just don't have any of that anymore i don't have time or energy so it's like i'm enjoy it yeah i don't know I do feel like, I mean, I, I kind of understand though, the, I don't know, for me, like when I create something that I can't finish, mm -hmm. I, I do feel like, I don't know, creating a character that people actually do care about. I think it's the best feeling in the world. And I do understand yeah. when you're talking about guilt, like Tysa, cause it's like, it's kind of like, oh, I like birth this like being, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not real, but it kind of, it sort of exists. If, like multiple people believe it, like, like read it mm -hmm. and 
like buy into it. it it kind of exists and it's kind of like yeah it's kind of like a child that you're like i'm sorry i abandoned you right. and you know <laughs> i so i get it i mean i understand both sides of it, it there's definitely yeah yeah i think like it's, it's it's tricky because you do you want to honor your audience and you know um yeah is the things that you make like they mean stuff to you but they also mean a lot to the people reading them and so you you just you feel like a again i'm using strong words but whatever it's like you feel like a failure for letting them down right mm-hmm. um and, and maybe mm-hmm. i don't know maybe some people don't and that that's great and you also like shouldn't i'm not saying that this is how you should feel but it's just kind mm-hmm. of the way it is where it's like mm-hmm. you you made them a promise in uncertain terms that you were going to tell a story and they got invested and then yeah. uh and then they are left with uh, an unsatisfying finish to a story that they really wanted to hear. And even though they didn't give you any money, you know, it's like, if, even though they didn't do anything to like deserve <laughs> or whatever, uh, the, the story that they're giving, it's like, you still feel obligated uh, to them as your audience to make good on the things that, you know, they were looking to. Yeah. Cause it's also this thing where it's like, people don't have to care about your work. Right. So, yeah, you know, so they yeah, don't. it's kind of like, it's, it's like this kind of weird trade-off, it's, like creating is like this kind of weird trade-off yeah. for sure. I've become pretty cynical about it because like, <laughs> I, I've done, I've done a lot of projects. I've done a lot of things and like the, you know, the amount of work that I would put into something, it, it, it just rarely ended up feeling worth it. And, um, and especially when I'm trying to pay the bills and le- lead a healthy life. And so it's like people, people d- just don't understand how much. I think they don't understand how, how much time it takes to make something good. Mm-hmm. And so for them, it's, I mean, we see it on, I feel like we see it online all the time where it's like people think that it's the same thing when you're a huge animation studio with a pipeline and a budget and one person cranking out comics or shorts. And it's like, those are not I equivalent. Kind of, I would kind of caveat that though. I feel like I've, I mean, I have read like tweets on people commenting and people being like, uh, like, you know, fans being very, um, what's the word like mindful like i don't know when i was publishing rodney and people were like please take time to rest and like yeah. we'll be here waiting for you like That's you know great. there's like these people do like they exist they and they care they, you bo- know? they both exist i you know I yeah <laughs> i'd say both sides of that coin are present you know and, yeah, yeah. And it's it's kind of human nature to hear the negative voices a little louder sure sometimes is. so yeah it's like you know you can have a bunch of people saying yeah take your time to rest but then there'll be that one person's like hey man where's my next page and it's like oh i'm <laughs> yeah. sorry mr <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Are you my boss? I should say, like, I I think Tyson's right. I think that it depends on what you are focusing on. And and nobody in my, like, I don't know, fandom, I guess you would call it. But, like, nobody in, nobody, none of my followers have ever pressured me for anything. It's always coming from a a good place. Um, But I guess I'm thinking of other fandoms where it, it does become toxic and it is become pressure. And... You know, and I can see those creators burning out at a very fast rate because it's like they probably have that same feeling of obligation and and Mm -hmm. feeling like, oh, well, you know, it's making these people happy. And so I should keep grinding and keep like doing all this stuff. But it's like to what end? Like at a certain point, like how much of your life are you giving up for people that would probably stop giving a shit like two weeks later and move on to some new fandom, you know? So. But like I said, it's cynical and it's it's. um, No, I mean, there's it's it's a 
it's just a, a tricky tightrope to walk. Yeah, it's like it you really have is. you have to respect, you know, and and appreciate your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same at the same time, you have to respect and appreciate yourself. Um, and and giving in to one too much or the other is is gonna leave you in a difficult position. You know, it's like if you give too much of yourself to your audience, you're gonna hurt your own psyche in the process, and like you can't do that. Yep. Um, but yep. at the same time, you can't just treat your audience as disposable. Uh, yeah. you know, chaff yeah, or whatever course. like that. So yeah, it's a balance. Yeah, you know. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, was a great conversation. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and I think that's the end of this creative block. Tyson, thanks for being our guest and sharing your story. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Creative Block, Creative Without the Vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to our editor, Clemens, for editing the podcast and Malik for helping us produce the show. If you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, Gene. And I was V. Keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye!